Grace, mercy, and peace to you from our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Perspective matters. Things tend to look a whole lot different depending on where you are standing, depending on where you are coming from, depending on the company you keep. Hourly employees always see things differently than the salaried managers, who see things differently than the owners. Players see things differently than the coach, and parents and fans see things way differently than all of them. Enlisted see things differently from their officers, and you get the picture. Even personal tastes within a close-knit family provide for very different perspectives. The reason I begin with all this talk of perspective is because today's gospel lesson provides us a very different perspective from the more oft-read account from St. Luke. And that difference in perspective matters. You see, in St. Luke's account, we are told very plainly that the huge crowd gathered along that road leading to Jerusalem was shouting their loud hosannas and waving palm branches and covering the street with their cloaks because of the mighty works they had seen. This definitely puts a bit of a stain on the whole event, doesn't it? Suddenly, the disciples alongside this festive parade route do not exactly seem so faithful and pure in their intentions, do they? John's perspective, which we hear today, records how some of that crowd, not all, but some, were raising those loud hosannas and waving the palm branches because of the great signs and miracles they had either witnessed firsthand or had heard about, the great miracle of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. It's close to the same, but yet it's different. Yes, they were rejoicing too because they had seen or heard about a miraculous sign that Jesus had done. But this rejoicing is just different than the rejoicing we hear about from Luke's perspective. This is good rejoicing. This is rejoicing over the great reversal from death to life. This is rejoicing over the fact that this long prophesied messianic promise of redemption, renewal, and resurrection is now being recognized and fulfilled in the word and person of Jesus Christ. This difference in perspective changes things, but should it? When you get down to it, there really is not anything different between the two groups crying out their loud hosannas. The difference in perspective may soften our view of at least some of the crowd, but it does not change the facts. It did not matter where you were standing that day. It did not matter what group you were with. It did not matter if you were rejoicing for the right reasons or the selfish and self-serving wrong reasons. Except for Jesus, nobody that day saw the cross coming at the end of that week. Nobody recognized that parade as the long prophesied and purposeful procession to Calvary for the express purpose of making atonement for the sins of the world. Atonement which could only be made through the shedding of blood and the sacrificial death of the Paschal Lamb of God. Whether you are crying out Hosanna for the right reasons or not, everyone along that route still wound up devastated and shell-shocked six days later. Everyone looked on the arrest, the abuse, the mockery, 
the shame, the crucifixion as total abject failure and utterly shameful defeat. Nobody saw God's word and promise being fulfilled amidst all the darkness and blood and mockery. Nobody saw the serpent's head being crushed in eternal defeat. Nobody saw victory, even though the victor himself declared it is finished, before bowing his head and confidently, peacefully, commending his spirit into his father's loving hand. Even the faithful ones that we get a glimpse of from John's perspective, who were crying out their loud hosannas for all the right reasons, were still just as terrified and devastated six days later when life took a terrible and unexpected turn towards Golgotha. Just think of the faithful women who were undoubtedly part of the Palm Sunday procession, who were also hurrying out to the tomb three days later, not to be the first ones to greet their resurrected Lord and Savior, but to anoint a corpse. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is risen just like he told you he would. They did not see. They were looking for the wrong thing in the wrong place because they had not listened. The apostles, the guys who just spent three years in Jesus' inner circle, they are worse. They are back hiding behind locked doors. They know that what they saw just three days earlier, and they do not want the same thing to happen to them. Even after the women come to tell them the good news about Christ's resurrection, they do not believe it. Mark tells us in his gospel that Jesus appeared to them later that evening, and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And truth be told, we are no different either. Sure, our perspectives change. We have good days, and then we have not-so-good days. There are times that we look around at all the goodness and abundance in our life, and we give thanks to God for all the wrong reasons, firmly convinced that all that goodness is proof that God loves us and is well-pleased with us. Then again, though, there are also those times that we are forced to see life from a different perspective, from the perspective of suffering, and shame, and heartache, and loss. There are times we look around and all we see is defeat. It looks like the whole world is out to get us. Maybe even God is angry with us. Maybe he is punishing us. Both perspectives are wrong. Does abundance of health, wealth, and earthly stuff mean that God loves you and is pleased with you? We know the right answer, and yet how often we still fall into the trap of confusing God's patience with us for his approval. Does pain, sorrow, and misery equal God's displeasure with you? Does sickness or poverty or any other cross we try, our very best to avoid, translate into God's anger and vengeance? If we are having a rough go of things, does it mean that God doesn't love us? If that is the case, then the hospital, the cancer ward, the battlefield, the orphanage, the women's shelter, and the homeless shelter are filled with people that God God does not love and is angry with. Does hardship and cross-bearing serve as evidence that God does not love us or is angry with us? 
Again, we know the right answer to such a foolish question, but still, all too often, the fruits we bear tell a different story. We may not want to admit it, and I know that some absolutely refuse to admit it, but we are all guilty of it. We are all guilty of doubt. We do not always trust what God says when we are not seeing the results we want or expect or feel entitled to see. We are all guilty of false confidence and trust in the wrong things when we see only what we want to see and turn a deaf ear to God and his word. We are all guilty of looking to Jesus for all the wrong things, but not looking to him for that which matters most, our eternal salvation. We are all guilty of, at least occasionally, looking to karma for explanation and guidance rather than looking to Christ. We may not call it that. In fact, some of us would never call it that. But that's what it is. If things are good, it must be because we are good. Clearly, God is rewarding us and is pleased with us. Quid pro quo. Conversely, if things are not going so well, you just need to have more faith and turn it around and get yourself right with Jesus. And then good things will start happening. If things are bad, maybe it is because we have done something bad and God is punishing us. Again, turn things around and good things will start happening. God, I'm in a bit of a bind here. If you just help me out this one time, I'll do this or this other thing for you. God, here's what I'm going to do for you if you help me now. Does that sound familiar? If it doesn't, you're either not listening or a liar. And I can say with all certainty, because every single one of us here wears the flesh of old Adam. And this karmic type of works righteousness and assurance of old Adam's default setting. It is what comes naturally to everyone who wears Adam's sinful flesh. Here's the thing, though. It doesn't matter what your perspective is. It doesn't matter if you agree with me or not. It doesn't matter if things couldn't be better or things couldn't possibly get any worse. God loves you. Bottom line, the proof is not found in your bank accounts or your beautifully manicured yards or new car or clean bill of health. Rank pagans have all those things, too. The proof is not found in an absence of pain or sorrow or despair. In fact, it's just the opposite. The proof is found in the lowest, most God-forsaken place of all time. The cross of Christ. At the cross is God's full wrath and punishment against all sin. It is there that what Jesus was processing towards on that first Palm Sunday... Jesus was processing to the cross. His whole mission and purpose was to come and die for us and our sins. This is why he was conceived and born. This is why Jesus gave up all of heaven's glory and majesty for the sole purpose of being punished for all sin, the wage of which he paid in full for all time with his all-redeeming bloody sacrifice. Word and sacrament are your reasons to rejoice. They are the answer to the prayerful cry, Hosanna, save us now. 
These are the sign and proof. These are where your victorious Lord and Savior continues to come to you, humble yet triumphant, veiled under the simple elements of word, water, bread, and wine. Here is Jesus, the risen Savior, the one who once was dead but now lives and reigns triumphantly. He comes to you this very day to bring you his free and unmerited gifts of grace, mercy, and peace. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Here is the cross. Here is eternal peace of God for you. Here is his body. Here is his blood risen and victorious, coming to you and for you. Here is true peace, both on earth and in heaven. And that's saying something. From God's perspective, here is where heaven meets earth. Jesus Christ, where angels, archangels, and all the company of heaven gather around the one and same Christ at the exact same time you do, joining their voices with yours in praise and adoration of the Lamb of God. May this perspective of true peace fill you with all joy and peace and assurance now and into all eternity. Amen. And so may the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, which surpasses all human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting.